Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode of Reach is brought to you by our sponsor, Jackie, another secret weapon that executive assistants and women who do it all need to know about. You guys all know that feeling, right? Staring at your closet and thinking to yourself, I have so many clothes and yet nothing to wear. That is why Jackie is here. Jackie is a high-end boutique subscription styling service that you apply to join. What I love about Jackie is you get to develop a relationship with your stylist. Your stylist is someone you can text or call or email with specific wardrobe needs or ideas you have. Or maybe there's an upcoming event or trip or meeting or even a wedding that your ex is going to be at that you really, really, really want to look fantastic for. Those are exactly the types of scenarios a Jackie subscription can help with. Each box from Jackie is filled with high quality clothing and accessories. Jackie is here to help all of us embrace our style and our confidence. This is subscription styling done right for the women who do it all. So apply to join Jackie and fall in love with your style this year. Visit shopjackie.com to apply to join and be sure to tell your stylist Maven sent you with code MAVEN20 for 20% off all the items kept in your first box. Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello and welcome back to Reach. I'm your host, Jessica Van, founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group. Today, we're continuing our conversation with Jonathan Hoyt, executive leadership coach, in part two of our two-part series. If you haven't already had the chance to listen to part one, I encourage you to do so now so you can get up to speed before listening to this episode. As a refresher for those of you who have already listened to our last episode, Jonathan walked us through his thoughts on coming from a place of curiosity and positive regard as it pertains to connecting with your executive. Stay tuned as he unveils more of his coaching insights. Let's jump in. One of the things that I I think we talked at the beginning about how one of the EA's critical impacts on a on a business or a team is is the allocation of time and attention and one of the things that I think an EA can do as they look around for ways to add higher level value one of the ways that they they may be able to do that is by with with the you know with with some upfront agreement is by helping an executive to know how their time is being spent so doing a simple time analysis for example let's take 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 a week or a two week period and just break it out into different categories of time time spent with direct reports time spent with customers time spent thinking or digesting mm-hmm. and and you know and, and, and in other areas as well or time spent uh, responding to unexpected events um, you know all those things so so I think that one of the things that an EA can do, or or a coach really, is to is to help help an executive understand how they are spending their precious attention, and that can often lead to insights. Oh, you know, I don't didn't realize that I'm only spending, 
you know, 5% or 10% of my time with my direct reports. You know, that's a very common pattern that I have seen in Silicon Valley executives that, that they get very focused on the external stuff um, or, you know, they just get focused on other things and, and their direct reports really need their attention and support and, and insight and, and those, those kinds of debates. And uh, so that's something that, that can make a dip that, well, but just getting the data, right? Just understanding what, what's happening here. And then, yeah. and then sitting with the executive and saying, well, how does this line up with how you want to be spending your time? And, and if you, what, what, what is the allocation of time that's going to get you the result that you really want right now in, you know, for the business? So, yeah. so that's a really, uh, and, and uh, one of the, I, I, this is a shorthand and, and, I can't say I have a lot of science behind it, but I, I do think it is fundamentally true, and that is that an executive should be sen- spending something like 30% of their time or more um, interacting with their direct reports and really uh, sort of tending to the care and feeding of not only their direct reports but other talented individuals in the organization. So essentially being the the top talent officer, making sure those people um, are seen and heard and their impact is is understood, making sure that they're getting the guidance and the feedback that they need, and tending to their their development. Everyone loves to learn and grow. I mean, that's that's where we'll stay longest is when we feel like we're going somewhere in a in a job, right? So so thirty percent at at a minimum spent on those sorts of activities, and then thirty percent on strategy. And um, you know, we're in in technology. Everyone understands that the world is changing really fast, but and so understanding what's going on in the outside world and, and, and how new developments might be affecting our business, that may be a little more intuitive for a, a, a tech company leader, but in other industries it can often it can, it can often that time can get can get reduced. And um, one of the uh, there was a, a wonderful study published in HBR earlier this year that um, was able to identify that the executives in this particular company were only spending 10% of their time on truly addressing the strategic challenges of the business. And in order to be successful, given the pace of change, they needed to move that up to about 30%. And so I do think that that's a great rule of thumb for most executives, that they should be spending about 30% of their time on strategy, you know, debating what direction we're going to take, understanding and that's that's strategy is also about sense making it's about understanding all of this conflicting data coming in and figuring out what it means and, and debating that with other smart people who mm-hmm. are thought, who are thinking about it so that's another 30% then there's 30% that needs to be focused on execution mm-hmm. because the reality is follow through you know making sure that if we have a a, a one month or a three month plan to make something happen the executive's role in ensuring that that um, progress is being made and and getting rid of roadblocks and tending to the the sometimes not very exciting details of of getting things done that's also a really important area and and that can include um, meetings that relate to you know um, progress meetings on particular projects, let's say. So so that's about thirty percent, and then there's ten percent, which is about their own personal development. And this is another area where EAs can play a real role because they can remind, they can they can help their leader um, remember 
that they need to be investing in their own development as well. They need to be taking time to reflect, to refuel, to um, think about their own development and, and what they're struggling with and how they can get better. That's the 10% that people like me as executive coaches are, are using. We're, mm-hmm. we're part of that 10%. We're the valuable, external, neutral, safe sounding boards mm-hmm. for some of the most challenging things that they're, that they're dealing with. So making sure that they're carving out time for that is also yeah. very important. I think you, you'd, you'd called it previously self-care, and I think self-care. That's, that's so... That's uh, so right on the money. Um, so, so just to recap, so we've got 30, 30, 30, 10. So we've got 30% focused on strategy, 30% focused on the care and feeding of talent in the organization, which you also talked about, you know, developing those individuals mm-hmm. and making sure that they have the feedback and input that they need. Um, 30% on execution and then 10% on self-care, self-reflection, self-improvement, anything that falls into that, that category. And I, I really like this framework, one, because I think it's, it's really specific and it's really concrete and I think it's really applicable. Um, you know, if you're an executive assistant who's, you know, reviewing your executive's time, as you suggested, that could be a really powerful tool, you know, looking at how their time measures up against something like this model and again, just approaching that from a curious perspective of, you know, gee, I noticed that, you know, you had essentially no time devoted to self-care and the majority of your time was spent on execution and really, you know, very little time spent developing the key people and the key talent in your organization. And does that, again, does that align, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's a really powerful framework because it is so concrete, because it is so specific and digestible. And also because I think so many executives, this isn't certainly not all executives, but I know you've worked with these types of people, Jonathan, where in this, particularly in Silicon Valley, you have a lot of people who become leaders um, vis-a-vis an engineering background, a technical background, they're technically inclined, um, I think that they tend to approach the world from a more data-driven point of view. And certainly in our work, you know, we've worked with them as hiring managers and, and the way they approach a recruiting process is so different than the way that other people might that are coming from a more humanitarian, humanities background. Um, I mean, it's, it's all about, okay, you know, what is your time to close and what is the ratio of this and how many percentage of success do you have over this and what is that, that how does that evaluate over time and where's the cliff and what does it drop off at and what's the standard deviation on that? And it's like, wow. Wow, you know, so I think that depending upon who you're dealing with, you also have to know how to present and position information in such a way as to make it relatable to how their brain is most comfortable processing. So again, I, I really like I think that's a really yeah, great, no, I think great in, example. Particularly here in Northern California, you know, it's it's the engineer leader. It's the it's the engineer who is now a leader. And how do they make that transition? And and that's that's a real thing. And I agree. Having data can be so helpful. And then also knowing which data is really relevant. I mean, in in recruiting, you know, you might want to draw their attention to a different kind of data, right? Yes, there's this data, but let me tell you about the data that you really need to be tracking. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So you know, it's like you don't want to measure meaningless things, right? You know, yeah. I think every engineer will understand that you don't want to measure meaningless stuff. But how an executive is spending their time is a great thing to, to measure. And, and just because, and if they're not spending 30% of their time cultivating their team, 
that's not the end of the world. Maybe they don't really, maybe, maybe that's not energizing for them or they feel they're not very good at it. So then it's a case of who am I going to make sure is doing that? Mm-hmm. Who, who do I have who is spending that time? And are they, are, are they doing enough of a job of that? And are they doing it well enough? And are they doing enough of the job that, that the CEO has to do in that situation, right? I mean, you know, the care and feeding of the executive team is, has to be the CEO's top concern yeah. because those people, their performance is really driving the performance of, of the enterprise. And so they've, they have, they've got to be, they've got to be focused on that. They, the head of HR can't take that over for them. The head of HR can help them, but ultimately can't take that place. No, no general manager can, can delegate the care and feeding of, of talent to yeah. someone else. Yeah. That's a good point. So knowing what, what you know about executives, when you know a lot, what can EAs do to become better communicators with their executives? And, you know, how can they learn? I think you've, you've given us some, some, some recommendations about, you know, coming from a positive, um, uh, positive place, non-judgmental place. Regard. Exactly, uh-huh. unconditional positive regard. And, and, but I'm, I'm curious, how can they learn to position information in order to not always but more reliably achieve their desired outcomes or their desired responses. What are some tricks that you've amassed um, in this regard? Hmm. Well, I think, uh, you know, so for example, with the, with the, with the question of, of measuring an executive's time, um, rather than just saying, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to take an hour at the end of the week and I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do that and then I'm going to present it to the executive. And, uh, you know, rather than doing that, it's more about, it's more about sort of teeing it up. It's saying, um, uh, I was noticing, I was noticing a particular issue and I'm thinking that uh, analyzing how you're spending your time might actually help us to get insight on that issue. Would you like me to do that? So negotiating up front that there's a there's a project and there's a reason that is actually aligned to something that's important to the to the leader. So so really connecting a project like that because I think an EA an ambitious EA who's looking to have greater impact and looking for looking for ways to be even more valuable and perhaps and developing additional skills they're, they're going to want to be looking for those value added. Projects, and I think a lot of it is about um, identifying a possible need and then verifying, asking questions. Um, I, I I think this is an issue. Do you agree that this is an issue? Are you concerned about this too? I it seems concerning to me. I want to make sure it's something that you also perceive as a concern. And then saying, I think some of the data that could help us would be a time study or or some some other kind of. Some some other kind of analysis, and then and then when you've done the analysis, then you're coming back and you're saying, "We're doing this because it relates to this goal that you have." Mm-hmm. Right? I think that's really, mm-hmm. to me, is the is the great thing is to be always understanding what those goals are. And I think a lot of a lot of great EAs just intuitively understand the objectives of their of their managers, and that's I think one of the great powers they have is that they are they're really tuned in. And you know we are we are a we are a social species, and you know we are we're definitely wired to try to figure out what what is the leader trying to accomplish, and so so I don't think that comes 
uh, comes hard. But I think what what is important is to trans is to is to um, connect the value add projects that they're seeking to do to one of those goals and and verify that there's a connection. I think that's that that can really that means that then ultimately when they come back and they do something really valuable and useful that it's it's um, it's it's going to be more successful and it's going to be it's going to be well received even if the results perhaps aren't what the executive is expecting they're much more likely to be willing to take it in and and see it if they've understood up front why they're yeah. doing that they're doing that project uh, that makes complete sense and i think that it's getting a the getting of that buy-in initially is going to put them in a receiving mindset versus, you know, going ahead and, and doing the project without that buy-in. There's no, you know, there's, there's, there's no indication that there's going to be solidarity or a willingness to hear what, what you have to say. So I, I, that I, buy-in is, is pretty essential. I, I can remember some of my most painful EA moments were where I just got into my head that there was this thing that needed to be done and I was going to go do it. Yeah. Darn it, I'm going to go do it. Right. And then I do this thing and I bring it to my and I bring it to Lou Harris Lou. the CEO and, and <laughs> Lou is like, "What the heck is this?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so those were some of my my other other yeah. painful learning moments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. it's like, you know, this is probably um cliche coaching parlance but whatever I'll, I'll offer it anyway I get there's there's things that, that I've heard in you know in my years of giving feedback and I we give a lot of feedback in recruiting but you know around saying things like just asking somebody you know are you are you open to some feedback and the majority of people will say yes right but again like why do we do that well because we want to get the buy-in and so so being in the mode of asking a lot of questions and saying things like I noticed this and I and it's and it's leading me to conclude that is that is that true, and and verifying those and you know and so it's really about being that being a great listener and tapping into that curiosity about the issue and setting aside that judgment. The judgment is there, right? We'll we'll see a situation and we will we are. Our, our minds are beautifully wired to make oh, judgments. We're gunning oh my gosh. for it. We we're can't so good wait. at it. And we enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so our minds love making judgments. We're, yeah. we're, so, so it's really about, okay, I am making a judgment. Great. I'm going to set it aside. I'm going to write that down because I'm, I want to make sure I'm, I'm clear that I'm making a judgment over here. And then let me gather a bunch of data about that judgment in as open and as curious a way as I can. And that will lead me to the point where perhaps I can share some some data and a point of view that is rooted in a deep understanding of what might be motivating my manager in that situation. So that would be that is the that is the um, that is the toolkit that radical candor provides for upward feedback and I think it's a it's a it's a, it's the best you're going to find. Yeah, that's great. So we are putting a little twist on our on our infamous reach question for, for you Jonathan um, which is if you could coach anyone in the world throughout the course of time and history who would you choose to coach and why right now as I think about the challenges that we're facing who I would love to work with would be Mayor London Breed she mm. is um, 
and I don't know how much you know about London Breed, but she, um, you know, she she grew up in a really tough neighborhood. She was raised by her grandmother. She has lost multiple members of her family. Her one of her brothers is still in prison. Um, she's, you know, she's faced a lot of challenges, um, and you know, I think, and and she went from being a supervisor, essentially, you mm-hmm. know, a, someone who's the care and feeding of a particular district of the city to being the mayor. And um, and she's also taken on some extraordinary challenges. And it's on her shoulders, you know, helping to fix some of the great issues that our city faces. So for me, being able to coach someone like Glendon Breed would be an amazing opportunity and an honor. That's, that's great. This moment in mm-hmm. time, this crisis in time, I think is exposes our inherent fallibility and vulnerability mm-hmm. and, and just our need for support. Yeah, yeah. and uh, earlier in my career, I uh, had the opportunity to work with an executive team of a tech company, and and I, f- I found it was really hard to interact with the CEO because I, I was so conscious of his of his his power and his ability to kind of shape the project that we were doing. And, and I, I, I think wisely in retrospect, I brought along a more experienced coach to work with me on the project. And, and after one of the meetings, the more, this more experienced coach, who's a a dear friend of mine, he said, you're, you know, you're putting this person, you're putting this person on a pedestal Mm -hmm. and you're treating them as if they're almost not, human. They need support. We all need support. CEOs need need support and acknowledgement as as people. And realizing that that I had been that that was getting in the way of actually helping him. The fact that I was treating him with kid gloves was getting in the way of helping him. And that was just a really valuable insight for me about about this kind of work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For those of you interested in getting in touch with Jonathan, or if you think that uh, you or your leader could benefit from uh, learning more about coaching and resilience, we encourage you to reach out to Jonathan directly. You can reach him at jhoyt at dhrelevate.com. That's j-h-o-y-t at dhrelevate.com. Or you can connect connect with him um, on LinkedIn at Jonathan Hoyt. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank you so much, Jonathan. This was a great conversation and some really, really powerful um, nuggets for our listeners. So thank you so much for being here. It's been a great pleasure. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. If you've enjoyed being part of our podcast community and are interested in becoming part of our candidate community, We're currently hiring for roles in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Los Angeles. You can visit us at www.mavenrec.com to see some of the roles we're currently working on and to submit your resume.